0: message four parts we took a break last week to talk about missions and our specifically supply and multiply and um, this is the last of these four sermons This series called ghostbusters breaking generational curses the timing of this worked out in my way of thinking beautifully because today all over the world people are celebrating today as all saints day or the feast of all saints depending on your tradition I think this works out very well as we take communion today and we need to give some thought to the connectedness that we have with believers all over the globe. That invisible body of Christ, it's very difficult to touch it in stone or wood because it exists wherever true believers, real actual followers of Jesus are found and they're found all over the place. In various kinds of denominations, in different parts of the world, speaking different tongues, in different tongues, worshiping in different ways. Fighting off on some of these songs, just really raising my hand and letting you know how much of a Pentecostal I am at heart, because I think some of you wouldn't raise your hands if I tickled you to do so. Some of you know who you are. People worship in various ways. People express their love for Christ in various ways. In Haiti, I preach for an hour, and they say, where's the rest? In America, I preach for 20 minutes, and people say, oh, I can barely make it. (laughs) People worship in various ways, but know this. Every one of us has been created for worship. Whether you do it with raised hands and clapping and, and a little old lady uh, who used to run around with a little banner waving it in the Assemblies of God Church that I, we attended years and years ago, or whether you are more reserved, and in your heart you're singing with every ounce of your being Amazing Grace. People worship in various ways. But be aware, you and I and every human being was created for worship. This is a fundamental reality apart from which we simply cannot comprehend all that encompasses being human. You and I were created with purpose, and that purpose was to worship God. So when we pervert that purpose, we will find ourselves enslaved to other things. And the question I have for you today is, whose slave will you be? According to the biblical economy, the historic understanding of God's sacred word, there are only two options. We will either be a slave to ourselves, to sin, and consequently to the prince of this world, or we will be a slave to Christ. But what a beautiful and wonderful slave master he is. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, because my burden is easy, my yoke is light." It's not that the task is easy, it's that it is cushioned by eternal divine love. Whose slave will you be today? As I mentioned, today is All Saints Day in the life of the church, and believers everywhere will be celebrating this to various extents, at least many of them. I got to thinking about All Saints Day, and this decidedly Protestant congregational pastor spent a couple of hours... Early this last week, sitting at Madonna University Library, digging through Catholic books. Strangely, I discovered there's a member of Meadowbrook Congregational Church that's one of the librarians over there. How confused theologically she must be, I have no idea. (laughs) So I got to digging into the lives of the saints, and I found the most wonderful story to share with you today. I'm going to do it in a concise way. If you'd like more information about this, you can go to my website at pilgrimpastor.com. I'll post it there later, a bunch more information, and some links to some books if you really want to dig into this. This is a fascinating account. So fascinating and well historically verified is this account that the early church, with great frequency, read this very account on All Saints Day as part of the liturgy of the early church. In Catholic tradition, these two women that I'm going to tell you about, they are the patron saints of motherhood and of childbearing. In our way of understanding church history, they are a fabulous example of Christian faithfulness. Let's consider it briefly. These two Christian women are Perpetua and Felicity. It'll come as no surprise that I dug through these Dictionaries of Saints Looking for My Children's Names. What a great example both of them are. Perpetua were Christian martyrs who lived during the early persecution of the church in Africa under Emperor Severus. We're fortunate because these accounts are well documented by ancient historians as well as Perpetua who kept a diary of these events. That later was kept in church tradition and understanding of these events. In the year 203, Vivia Perpetua, she was a well-educated noblewoman. She made a decision to follow Christ. In a couple of weeks, it'll be Heritage Sunday, and I'm going to be talking about the pilgrims and the Puritans more specifically. But let's not make the mistake of thinking that just because we're congregational Christians that Christianity began in the 1600s. 203. Perpetua, a well-educated noblewoman, decides to follow Jesus because her mother did. And she saw the witness at home. She decided to become a slave to Christ. She knew it could mean her death during the persecutions ordered by Emperor Severus, as was common in those days for Christians to quite literally be fed to lions. Her pagan father was frantic, with worry about his daughter. He tried to talk her out of it. At 22 years old, the well-educated, high-spirited woman had everything to live for. Another common mistake we make is to somehow forget that people in ancient times were people. They had things they loved, they had goals, they had ambitions, they had children. Those early martyrs didn't long to be separated from their children or to be harmed but they were slaves to Christ. We know she was married, but since her husband is never mentioned, many historians think she was already a widow at age 22. Her father, he was so upset by her conversion to Christianity that he attacked her in a rage and tried to shake faith out of her. After a couple of days, she was taken away from him when she was arrested and she reported that she was glad to get away from him because he needed some time to accept it and to think through it. Her father, after this attack, he came to her more pleading, please recant your faith in Jesus, sacrifice to the pagan gods and you'll live. She said to her father, do you see that water jug there? Can you call it by any other name than what it is? And her father said, no, it it is what it is. It's a water pot. It's a water jug. And she said, likewise, I cannot call myself anything other than what I am, a Christian. I cannot recant my faith. Perpetua was baptized, and then she was taken to prison. She was known for her gift of the Lord's speech. And receiving messages from God, she tells us in her diary that, At the time of her baptism, she was told to pray by God for nothing but endurance in the faith for the trials that she was about to deal with. The prison she was put in was crowded with so many people, and the heat was suffocating. There was no light anywhere, and Perpetua had never known such darkness, she wrote. The soldiers who arrested and guarded them pushed her and her companions around. There were five of them in all. Perpetua had no trouble admitting that she was very afraid, but her most excruciating pain came from being separated from her young baby. The young slave, Felicity, was even worse off. In addition to the harsh treatment, she was pregnant. Two deacons who ministered to the prisoners paid the guards to place the martyrs in a better part of the prison. There, her mother and brother were able to visit Perpetua and bring her baby to visit her. She recorded that once the baby was able to stay there with her, my prison suddenly became a palace. Once more, her father came begging for her to give in, to just recant her faith in Christ and sacrifice to the pagan gods. He threw himself at her feet, kissing her, crying, begging her. She told him, we lie not in our own power, but in the power of God. When she and the others were taken to be examined in sentence, her father followed her, even crying and pleading with the judge. So strong was her father's pleadings that it's recorded that even the judge began to become sympathetic. And he likewise pleaded with her, recant your faith and live. She would do no such thing. The five of them stood fast, and they were sentenced to be thrown to the wild beasts in the arena at Carthage. While deep in prayer, it is said she had the following vision. This is fascinating. While she prayed, she was shown a golden ladder of the highest length, reaching up to heaven, and on the sides of the ladder were swords, lances, hooks, and daggers, so that if you did not continue to climb upward, if you began to go down, you would be skewed and and greatly injured by these hooks and daggers. Beneath was a dragon that was so terrifying it scared you to only go upward. Don't try to go down or the dragon will destroy you. Perpetua first saw Saturus, this was the man who led her to Christ, go up on the ladder into heaven and then he said back to her, Perpetua, I wait for you but take care that the dragon does not bite you. To which she replied, in the name of Jesus Christ, he will not hurt me and the dragon put down his head. Symbolic of our great adversary, Satan, the devil, no doubt. Perpetua traveled up the ladder and saw a beautiful vast garden with a tall man with white hair, dressed like a shepherd and milking sheep. Thou art welcome, my child, he said to Perpetua, giving her some of the curds of the milk. She ate them, and all of those around her said, Amen. And she understood it to be symbolic of the sacrament of communion, that there Christ was assuring her, of the reality of her salvation, even in the face of her suffering. She woke, and it is said she still had the sweet taste of the curd in her mouth. At once she told her brother what happened, and together they understood that they all must suffer. Meanwhile, Felicity was also in torment. It was against the law for pregnant women to be executed. To kill a child in the womb was shedding innocent and sacred blood. Felicity was afraid she would not give birth before the day set for their martyrdom. Listen to those words. She was afraid that she would not have the baby in time so as to be afforded the privilege of being a martyr with her companions. They also didn't want to leave her behind, so the records indicate that they all prayed for her to have a delivery. Two days before the execution, Felicity went into a painful labor. The guards made fun of her, insulting her by saying, If you think you suffer now, how will you stand against wild beasts? Felicity answered them calmly, Now I'm the one who is suffering. But in the arena, another will be with me, suffering for me, because I suffer with him. She gave birth to a healthy girl who was instantly adopted and raised by one of the other Christian women in Carthage in North Africa. The officers of the prison began to recognize the power of the Christians and the strength and leadership of Perpetua. In some cases, it's said that these guards converted to Christianity strictly on the testimony of how amazing the faith was of these two women. In other cases, many of the pagan guards became afraid of them, thinking them to be like some kind of witches. How could they possibly have this kind of faith? in the face of such suffering. There was a feast the day before the game so that the crowd could see the martyrs and make fun of them. But the martyrs turned all this around by laughing at the crowd for not being Christians and exhorting them to follow their examples. As Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. The four new Christians and their teacher went into the arena. One had died in prison. With joy and calm, Perpetua, in unusual high spirits, met the eyes of everyone along the way. The accounts read that she walked with the shining steps as the true wife of Christ, the darling of God. When those at the arena tried to force Perpetua and the rest to dress in robes, listen to this account. They said, force them to dress in our robes and to worship our gods here in this place. Perpetua, full of courage, challenged the executioners. She said, we came to die out of our own free will so that we would not lose our freedom to worship our God. We gave you our lives so that we wouldn't have to worship your gods. We would die slaves to Christ rather than abandon him and be slaves to this world and your pagan system. She and the others were allowed to keep on their clothes. The executioners respected what they said. The men were first attacked by bears and leopards and wild boars. The women were stripped and they were attacked by a mad cow. The women were removed and clothed again because the crowd cried out, they've had enough. Perpetua and Felicity were thrown back into the arena to face the gladiators. Perpetua called out to her brother and the other Christians and she said this, Stand fast in the faith. And love one another. Do not let our sufferings be a stumbling block to you. Perpetua and Felicity stood side by side and were killed by sword at Carthage in the Roman province of Africa. As I mentioned before, because of their example in the Catholic and Orthodox tradition, these two women, Perpetua and Felicity, are the patron saints of mothers and expectant mothers For us, in our tradition, surely they are a great example of faith. I share their testimony with you on the verge of sharing communion with you on this last part of this message about breaking generational curses, only to say this, we will be slaves to something. It may be alcohol, and if you're not careful, it may end your life, as was mentioned earlier It may be selfishness and greed, and if not careful, that greed to hoard up things and stuff and money and material at the end of the day, it'll take everything from you. It may be pleasure and lust, it may be any number of more subtle and deceitful vices, but we will be a slave to something. But praise God. The gift of God in Jesus Christ is that Jesus was poured out in human flesh to break the bondage, the shackles of sin and shame and guilt and condemnation. Today is All Saints Day, and I would have you think of it this way. You and I are connected to every believer everywhere on this planet right now, some of whom suffer for their faith. Oh, sometimes we say we suffer for our faith because a friend made a joke because our mom guilted us into going to church or joining a committee. (laughs) There are believers in impoverished nations that suffer the worst kind of poverty while frankly you and I squander the relative wealth with which we have been entrusted. There are believers in some parts of the world who fear death simply to attend church while you and I do so in relative comfort, so much comfort, that often we take it for granted and we just don't bother with it, though we are believers. We are a part of one body that extends sort of horizontally, if you think of it that way, all over the earth. We're a part of them, they're a part of us. We are also a part of the body of Christ going all the way back to the early church, through the Middle Ages, through the Reformation, right up into today. Because we proclaim the same message and we find freedom in the same Christ. I want to invite you today as we participate in communion to think of this not merely as a religious exercise, but as participation in the life and death of Jesus Christ so that we might be able to proclaim along with Paul That to live is Christ and to die is gain. That we might shift our allegiances from this world and get free from the things that enslave us by active pursuit of slavery to Christ. You're going to be a slave to something, to someone. Why not the master who offers comfort in shackles, whose shackles are indeed pure freedom? Take note inside of your bulletin if you want to get that out. We're going to be shifting now to the receiving of communion. So let's first share together. Let's first share it together as we prepare our hearts to receive communion from the Songs of Hope. You know, I've been wondering what S.O.H. stood for. I never bothered reading the cover of that. From the Songs of Hope, number 129, and then we're going to transition to receiving communion and concluding our time together this morning.